everyone. Welcome to the show. This week's episode is brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. David fucking Wood. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you. That's the best best introduction I've ever had. We don't need much more than that. I mean, my God, you got credentials coming out of the yin-yang, but... You and I just kind of got chatting about something and I, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do something I rarely do and I'm going to withhold and I'm going to be a proper host and ask you proper questions for like two and a half seconds. And then I'm going to go off on a tangent about what we just spoke about. So I hope you're down for that. Tangents. Welcome. They make for the best podcast. Fuck yeah. Here we go. Okay. So I found out about you from a few other friends. It seems like we hang in the same crowd and uh, they really had high, high praise. And I was like, do you think he would do the show? He's like, yeah, you should give him a shout. And then when I started doing a little bit of my own little creepy research, what I learned, what was really fascinating to me from the entrepreneurial side, because that's kind of the industry I fucking more so much rather than this space, but is the sourcing aspect and the factories and all of that. And people do not quite understand the legwork that goes into making a product like a pair of our sunglasses they don't understand how that works how you find factories how you pay all of that and so I was like dude I gotta have this guy on because not only are you United States Marine and a highly decorated one at, at that I mean your 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 arms are the size of my waist that's concerning for most you're you're a big dude you don't you don't look like the guy who walks into the factory and is like hi I'm here to do some sourcing or I'm here to to understand manufacturing or you, you look more like the guy that protects the guy that goes in to do the sourcing and the, do you know what I'm saying? So you kind of threw me a bit and that's what kind of drew me to you. It wasn't even so much the military. It was, Hey, this guy's got some entrepreneurial background that is not only going to be useful for our listeners, but it's going to be opening the eyes of individuals into what it really truly takes to get manufacturing up and running and Asia and that whole culture, because there's this misconception, I think, around Asia. I mean, obviously, right now, that's a that's a whole other thing. But there's this idea when a product comes from Asia, the stigmatization that comes around it. And so I figured, why not talk to a United States Marine that hangs out in Asia all the time? I mean, that makes sense to me. Just saying. So tell me, Marines, okay. like why? Yeah. But Why? Why the Marines? I mean, come on, why not? It's the freaking men's department of the freaking U.S. military. Even our female Marines are the manliest men in the United States military. Um, all the all the 
man in, uh, in, on the wood side of my family, which is Norwegian and, and Scottish, Scots-Irish. You can't tell um, at all. <laughs> well, my mom's is the Hebrew, so I'm, I'm the Dune Coon. I get all that. So from. then you're like this. Did you just say that? I can you say were, it. She's an Israeli. She was a, a Dune Coon. That's, that's, that's bro, that's, I've never that's heard that term year. before. Yeah. Yeah. So that was mom. She was good. I'm a freaking. She looked exactly like me, minus the beard. I think her shoulders might have been the same width, but um, so you have, you're a tanned Viking. Tan Viking. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the woods have served in every conflict like since the Delaware Purchase. So it's been, you know, and in every, every branch. Um, wow. I honestly went to the Marines. It was a really random, quick decision. I went and talked to some other recruiters. The Marines really kind of insulted me and didn't, kinda, didn't cater anything. And I thought, okay, if I'm really going to do this, I'll go with this branch. Um, you know, they impressed me. And I was like a, a recruiter's dream. I mean, I came in, I could do 20 dead hang pull-ups. I, you know, I, I was ready to rock. We just had to right. get me a gallon of water and some vinegar so I could pass the piss test. I mean, that was kind of the biggest concern was I was smoking so much weed and I was such a party animal before I went in. That was kind of the whole, I had the master sergeants cheering when I, when I, when I peed clean and went straight to maps and went in January 99. So went in infantry, uh, 0311, Paris Island, East Coast Marine, real Marines, rah. And, uh, and yeah, went in a grunt, got selected to be part of a unit called SHRIG, Surveillance Reconnaissance Intelligence Group. I think now it's GSP, Ground Sensor Unit. It's like a like a little small joint unit that gets passed around in, within the intel community, but basically sensor reconnaissance, sensor surveillance reconnaissance. Um, did that, picked up Sergeant quickly, deployed the entire time I was in, was with the first boots on the ground into Kandahar, um, got stop lost, had knocked up a Hooters waitress in Knoxville, Tennessee when I was a corporal. Oh and my God! That little boy, that little boy, Jaden David Wood, my only son, was born when I was in Afghanistan. Got back from Afghanistan, uh, was stop loss, had right to Congress and show acceptance letters to the University of Tennessee, big green weenie, straight in me, uh, as they say in the Marine Corps, and got out honorably discharged. Um, got full custody of my son, so raised him on my own. Went to University of Tennessee, double majored philosophy, religious studies, minored in Spanish, and finished in three years took a job on a whim literally like before I didn't walk for graduation like I'd passed my finals and a guy who was a mission director worked with the underground house churches underground house movements in communist mainland China was like hey I want to offer you a job you'll be stationed in Hong Kong you and your son will go in Hong Kong you'll go in and out of China all over Southeast Asia you'll be helping um persecuted unreached people groups, building underground seminaries, orphanages, doing like God's, God's work, um, you know, for the cross. Like we were saying earlier, light bears, right? right. And, I, and I jumped on it. Like it literally, he took me out to uh, whiskey, whiskey and steak dinner. And, you know, the next thing I knew within a week, I was on a plane to Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu, Guilin, um, Kunming out in Yunnan province. And then I've been there I was there. I'm a permanent resident of Hong Kong. I was there until 2020, Q1, when wow. the violent protested, protests mm -hmm. finally erupted. You know, she sent COVID over. Trump supported the Hong Kong protesters. And it was all of a sudden like, okay, overnight, here's COVID. Um, my wife's from Lithuania. My twin daughters were born in Hong Kong. My son went in the Marines in 2020. And, I was just going to uh, ask you, hold on. How old was your, okay, back up. There's so much shit there. I need to pull, you need to just chill the fuck out. 
Well, I you have got a lot of cool. Wanted to talk about sourcing, so I'm bro. Don't worry, we're in, gonna but... we're and I I love you so much for the commitment. But there's a couple things I want to ask because how old was your son when you moved to Hong Kong? We moved in early 2009, so he was eight, seven and a half. So did, so did he go to international school, or does he speak Mandarin or Cantonese as well? Oh, my sweet little son was an investment of twenty five thousand a year for American International Woo! School. That was that was a father's love when you're self-employed. That's a that's what you call a an oops that got like the gold. You got the golden goose oops. He got the good dad. He's the he's the surprise from Hooters <laughs> that you never thought you would ever gain, and yet 25 G's later. I mean, so that's an that's an experience. That's a whole 25 that's a whole G's podcast. a year later. Yeah. 25 G's a year later, and then you join the infantry marines. So, okay, why? Again, why Marines? Again, I'm not understanding. Uh, he just wanted to be like dad, so. Uh, does he want to do it like long-term? No, he got booted. He's out for fighting. So he's now in yacht school in uh, okay. Fort Lauderdale. He didn't like it. He went in, he's an MMA guy. He's a fighter and it's oh. quite frankly, a different Marine Corps than I went in. Um, he went West Coast, went, so he was a Hollywood Marine. And um, there's some <laughs> videos that have gone viral of him um i'm not gonna not look at it yeah i mean i'll send him to you it's you go to Thank military you. bjj he's been on there multiple times but you'll see him he's the smaller um jacked light-haired guy just mm -hmm. beating the tar out of this bigger cat and then throws them in a in a guillotine um in the barracks uh so he just you know he kind of started on the getting base? oh yeah 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 with gloves was, on i mean they would do this like little fight clubs and yeah, obviously it wasn't supposed to you know, I don't, put all the officers at, at risk for their little. But did it though, really? Because aren't you training these individuals to go and do this in a combat situation? And you want them to be able to properly practice and train so that they aren't the ones that die on the other end of it. I mean, even when I was in, in 07 to 11, it was very different. I'm pretty sure that we wrestled, beat the shit out of one another and I know for a fact that when I was on Fob Ramrod, the Marines, not, was it the Army or the Marines, whoever would come in and out, they had like an area where they would just beat the fuck out of each other, like to practice. It's not like they were like physically like hurting one another, but you could see like there was no whole bars going there. They were they were going hard in the paint with one another's faces. And that was to be expected because you knew that this was something that you might have to encounter overseas. So I'm not really sure why they'd be kicking somebody out for the same thing that they tell us to train and do well at. West Coast, Hollywood Marines, it's woke. I mean, honestly, if, that, if he had been Marines. in Jacksonville, North Carolina, where I was, he'd have probably, I mean, we would get in fights with higher ranks, lower ranks. We'd take our chevrons off and we'd go to the tree line. He'd sort it out. Mm -hmm. If you drank underage, if you got a, you know, if you got a DUI, if you really messed up, you just stand duty. You literally, it's like, okay, you don't have a yeah. 96 this next holiday. You're freaking standing tall with your silly little belt on. And, but it's, it's a different core. I do think change it's, it's a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever I done think that? It's been stuck <laughs> leading parade? No, change parade. Have you ever done a change parade as punishment? No. It's where, <laughs> let me enlighten you, sir. I've also enlightened many people of what Canada calls people shit pumps for. They're like, what is that word? I'm like the best word you'll ever use. So change parade is when you get in trouble for doing something, i.e. fighting or something stupid. And um, so as punishment, you go from your barrack 
into what and change into whatever they tell you. It could be full kit, mop gear, and then you have to run back to wherever you're being reported to. So that could be a minute away and you have to do that and you just do it all night and you just change and you have to report back. You could be in full dress all the way down to full combat ready to PT and they just fuck with you. And that's a punishment. They just put you on it on repeat and you just keep doing it. So it's like standing, it's like standing guard or doing something like that, but it's just our creative way of like not hurting you. Don't hurt you though. Right. Don't hit you though. Don't do more than five pushups in a row though. Uh, Change parade. Change parade. Well, I wish they'd have done that to him. And he'd, he'd look, to be honest, it was his, it was the, the, line company that he was going to that was blown up in Kabul so at the end of the day I wouldn't I wouldn't serve under Biden I'm glad that he's not I mean I'm you know personally so he's in a much safer place and he's working on yachts instead of going out on the new milk you know battleship that was just christened so oh no cool with that Jesus okay so he's doing that so he's off doing that so then you said you're remarried you're married you weren't married you were you're married now to a Lithuanian woman to a Lithuanian woman, my boss lady. She's my second wife. Okay, so you were married before then, yeah. I shotgun wedding the Hooters girl. We had to get that BAH and that BAS before oh, yeah. I got out. You know, you had to get that government money. But I didn't know anything about that, right? Because we didn't have that type of culture at home in Canada when it came to deployments and stuff. Like we just, we didn't, we weren't having like that many kids deploy that frequently and that many girlfriends getting shot. Like I, we just didn't have that. When I went overseas, there were so many people they're like, yeah, I'm married. I'm like, we're 18. They're like, yeah, we got married last year. I'm like, for why? They're like, you should see how much more money you get if you have a, what is it, dependipotamus? Isn't that what exactly. you call them? I, anyway, I learned about, that. I'm learning so many things from all of my American friends. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, the, the military is very welfare happy. You can just keep on popping out babies and getting more, you know, maternity leave and, and everything else. No it's idea. strange times. I love my Marine Corps, but it's, um, it's weird strange. times. The woke, the woke, the woke West. West. So you, because that's, I'm interested in your, in your perspective on that. So you, um, because obviously you live predominantly in the majority outside of the United States. So you're over in Asia. You've got two daughters now. Keep going from there. Okay. So they were born in Hong Kong. Um, twin daughters, Abigail Miller, Isabella Vita. Um, and we basically just fled. We were like, okay. We, um, we basically just fled and I went, they went to Lithuania in 2020. I saw Hong Kong. I mean, it, like Hong Kong's still locked down. It's people can't leave to, to re-enter even as a permanent resident. It's 21 days quarantine. If you're like fully vaccinated with PCR test, 21 days quarantine in at your own expense in a hotel. I mean, it's just, it's an absolute train wreck. Um, I went to Spain to Madrid and did a deal with the Ministry of Defense there with some of the rocks and the sandbag intellectual property, the workouts, yada, 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 um, and told them, I'm going to go check these factories in in Vietnam. Um, And I went to Saigon to Ho Chi Minh, and I got stuck there for six months. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was in 2020. I got stuck there for six months. And during that time, my wife and I picked a place, well, we picked several places because the, the freaking cost kept dropping and dropping in Marbella, which is the southeast tip of Spain. It's an hour east of Gibraltar. So it's right on the beautiful white sands of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a 40-minute ferry ride from uh, Morocco. Just a beautiful, beautiful area. 
So we, we relocated there just on a whim to not be in Hong Kong and kind of watch and see, yeah. you know, watch the world burn from a really beautiful place, I guess. Um, and we've been there since July, 2020. Oh, now wow. I'm currently in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm big orange ball, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee right now as I've moved all of our textile manufacturing for the American market, well, North American market, back to the United States, so here to Tennessee. Fantastic, and I'm actually well planning done. On moving back. Um, I'm actually planning on moving back, just trying to make this window bigger, actually no planning on moving back to Tennessee uh, in Q1, so. Oh, wow, and so that's gonna be interesting for, so has your wife been to the States? Yeah. Good, good, and those girls, how old are they now? They will be six in two weeks. Three weeks. Okay. So our kids are the same age. That's, that's going to be fantastic transition. It's a good age for them to come on over and get a little bit of a different perspective. It's interesting because you've been able to live in some very different places with a lot of different rules and in a communist state, like you were working in, it just fascinates me to see someone like you living in Hong Kong. Um, just, just literally the, the sheer way you look, it would be terrifying to most people I know if I brought you into my factories over there. I know, um, I remember last year, I was actually in the middle of um, my tattoo artist is born and raised in Hong Kong. And um, he's been here a couple of years now. His, his English is hilarious. This is why it makes it so comical. But he, we were, he was tattooing and he would get so fucking mad because his family's all in Hong Kong. And he's like, you should fucking see it. You should see it right now. He's like, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're chanting like the American national anthem. They're like hoping America is going to come in and save them from this. And they're not, and it's getting worse and it's getting, it's getting difficult to move about. And I just, I'm shocked to see it go down and to have as little coverage about it over here as it had considering who it was and how big it was to be in the middle of that would have been, and your wife was living there during, with the kids during that? Oh, we were there. The whole, when the Polytech University was seized, I'll send you some videos offline. Yeah. Like, I was filming it from my, from my flat. Like it was, it was nuts. I, look, here's the crazy thing. It was all a bunch of woke professors at Polytech turn, and, and in Hong Kong, turning little mindless, you know, little, little sponges, students mm -hmm. against China and against their own freedom in Hong Kong. Like, let's just face it, they're Chinese, they're not British. Like, it was a British colony because Britain used it, like, colonial style as an opium port. Hong Kong means sweet smelling port. Like, the British weren't in there to help any Canton province Chinese. They came in as the Brits do, they took it, and they had an agreement. They handed, in 1997, they said, we're handing it over in 2047, 50 year deal. It belongs to China, just like Crimea belonged to Russia. I mean, we in the West get this whole thing where it's like, we got to save these people, we got to save these people. It's like, mm. I mean, our country was founded on taking land from people with military might. Like, that's the shit sandwich that exists with strength. And that's just, that's the way of the world. So it was wild watching it and seeing all of these Hong Kongers crying against China because the only cops that they were assaulting in the street were Hong Kong policemen and women, their brothers and sisters. China wasn't there. Like China has a military. If China had come in, mm -hmm. China came in with COVID. China was like, okay, you guys want to all play around. America's going to back these protesters. Britain's going to now give them free leave to come over. So is Canada, so is Australia. Okay, how do we break out of a trade agreement? 
Hmm, clause four, act of God, pandemic, check. You know, if it hadn't been an election year and it hadn't have been Trump, nobody would be talking about COVID. Right? They're like, you guys want to wear masks and little protests? You guys want to wear masks and little protests? We'll make everybody wear a mask. We'll kick in facial recognition. We'll max out these CCTVs. We'll trace all your WeChat messages. You know where all those protesters are now? Probably dead. China then came in during COVID and freaking took them out. You know, they went into freaking Dong Guan Guangzhou. And so, I mean, that's the reality. I, it, it kills me that these Hong Kong kids who were some of the smartest, you know, highest IQ, hard, most hardworking, some of the most hardworking people I've ever seen, like in, in Hong Kong financial district where you, you know, well, Central, Wan Chai, um, Long Khoi Fong, LKF, you know, they have the most opportunity of anyone I've ever met in my life as we watch the East rise, right? They can go freely in and out of China. They are trilingual. They speak Mandarin. They speak Putong Hua. They speak Canton, which they don't really need for anything. Um, and they speak English. And they can move about freely. They can have a sourcing company like I started in 2012. And they can move funds, do sourcing deals, be the middleman. I mean, they're Chinese with extra rights. Like they're the most blessed Chinese out there because they've got a window to the West with HSBC, Standard Charter Bank, I ICBC in Hong Kong. So they just fuck themselves because of their little college professors who've never really worked or done anything because you can't, you know, do, teach. And, it, and here we are. So it's, I mean, it's like, it's so wild watching this wokeness destroy everything because in the West, our wokeness is you have to be Marxist, like workers of the world unite. In the East, it's this don't fall into, you know, the red trap of communism. And it's just, you know, it's just a cluster. It's the same. It's just, it's, it's wild. It was wild to witness firsthand. I started doing, really doing podcasts during that because the spotter up guys reached out and they're like, we got to get these Hong Kongers weapons. They need rights in this. Like the police are evil. Will you, will you come on and talk about it? And I'm like, uh, I will, but I'm going to tell you what's really going on, which mm -hmm. The Chinese aren't there, other than the Hong Kong people, which are Chinese. Um, mainland China is not involved at all. And it's a bunch of woke kids like Antifa throwing Molotov cocktails, blowing shit up and assaulting their own Hong Kong policemen and women. I, you know? I, um, yeah, I, my God, I, there's so much there. Uh, there's so much there with that because I watched it. I was in China in two, January, 2020. My husband and I were over there visiting some factories. We were in, uh, uh, was it, uh, I never say it right, Guangzhou and Shenzhen area yeah. down there. And um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we kind of were in and out of there and running around there. And it was interesting because that's when things started, like they knew what was going on there then. And everyone was in masks then. Everyone was already doing that shit then. And I just didn't understand it. And Brady said, he's like, yeah, they wear masks anytime like they're sick trying the culture is just different that's just like a normal behavior mm. and then and then um i got home and i got violently sick like mm. very concerning like i couldn't like i don't get sick like that i was weeks in bed and i my lungs oh wow had, with covid yeah i it must have been yeah, i mean i yeah. i was we were there from the 5th to the 10th and i think they they started restricting travel around like the 10th or the 15th of january so we got out right before and I got, I mean, I swear to you, I have, I've, I've been a very sick individual in my life. I have never been hit like that. And then that's when things started to kind of roll out and then March rolled around. And I remember saying when people started talking about this, I remember thinking to myself, like, 
this is brilliant. If, if this is them, this is so smart. That long game is so brilliant. Oh my they God. They are all about that long game. They are brilliant. They are patient. Why did nobody get, why does nobody get that? Why does nobody understand that? Not only did they do this, they bought Dominion software for $400 million, which I mean, okay, to me, that's almost half a billion. That's a lot of money. To China and the real world in the game of things, under half a bill to buy our voting software through a freaking Swiss bank. I mean, it's this, this is factual. This isn't conspiracy theory. You can look all this oh up. My God. Look it all up on the SEC. Um, and then to sell everybody the the freaking the PPE to do it. And to, and to this day, I'm, I'm headed to CBS to get ready to go to Abu Dhabi. I shit you not, the test that they test me with that I'm having to pay for will be a made in China PCR test. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's brilliant. Like you can't hate the players, you hate the game. No, no, you can't. You can't hate it. You can't. Yeah. On some level, you got to look at them and respect that level of, you know, the depth yeah. in which they're willing to make you eat a shit sandwich. Like it's, it's fantastic to me to see it. I mean, it's, it's troubling yeah. to so many people. I'm such a, it's so funny because I actually was a mask supplier for the government of Canada in um, what was it? March of last year, we did 200,000 masks. Yeah. My dumb ass though. Well, I don't know if I call it dumb. I just donated all my money. So I didn't make anything from it, but it was a pretty penny. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't small, but like I, it was a very interesting thing to see happen and how quickly and how well it was run. And like the factory I was using at the time, like, half government owned, like most have to be. And I have never, I have never ever seen a factory go up that quick in my life. <laughs> Million masks a day, just like printing bills, American dollars. I'm like, oh my God, this is ruthless. Absolutely. Well, everybody, all of the world, not just America. I mean, full EU reliance. I mean, remember Germany tried to strong arm China and say we're gonna sue you for you know blah 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 this much and then it was like you want your mask and your tests. Shut your mouth. You're not gonna sue shit. Can I ask you? You're not gonna sue shit. You're not gonna touch me with a ten foot pole. Well, that's like that though with them. They're they're robust. They're doing that. They've done it right now. I was just chatting with some people that I know that are deploying to the Asian area soon, and they're like, yeah, we just sit outside of Taiwan. They're sitting outside of Taiwan and waiting for World War Three because it's coming. And the mentality is that you cannot touch them. It was no different than the Afghan pullout and the way how they came down through the north that the media didn't want to report that during the active pullout, all of the northern Afghanistan was being overrun by China. And you were hearing Mandarin being spoke throughout provinces that there's a how are I what I'm trying to understand. Is it just North America that has blinders on and is not seeing what is happening or not willing to, or is this global? And I think you're a good person to ask because you are expansive in this space. China owns so much of other countries' debt and they've bought into countries' media and Hollywood. So they own it, you know? They own our politicians. Our, the sitting cabinet right now and a large majority, left and right, I'm not one of these freaking Republicans or Democrats. I will vote for whoever is willing to make change and whoever the right is person. doing what they say they're doing. I mean, the eagle needs two wings to fly. I think we need more parties. I mean, mm -hmm. Trump, like him or hate him, was a disruptor and he just wasn't owned. Like our media is so corrupt and our FBI and CIA are so corrupt that the, that the cat's out of the bag now. The entire Russian collusion story was planted, right? 
That's Keep factual. going, man. I'm just listening. I'm, I'm taking it in. Give it to and me. And January 6th was that they couldn't press charges. They couldn't bring impeachment charges against Trump because the FBI was involved. It was all planted. It was all planned. We had poor Ashley Babbitt, the Air Force veteran, get shot through the throat by a idiot scared cop. She wasn't armed or doing anything. I mean, it's just we are, you know, meanwhile, this whole Kyle Rittenhouse clear case of self-defense is this shouldn't even oh, be national man. news. Why? Because Ghislaine Maxwell is now testifying and heads are going to roll and it's a complete distraction from that. So it's like. This kid was a patsy. Yeah, many of us have our, uh, the blinders off, but we try to share it and they censor us. I mean, everybody's talking about getting, I've, I've been shadow banned, blocked, freaking had my Facebook taken away uh, in 2020 when I went to Spain for posting Harvard medical research on masks. I wasn't sitting there promoting anything. I, yeah. one post, I said, look guys, I was a philosophy major, BLM, this is, this is Marxist ideology. This has nothing to do with black people. Like, right. let's get real. And then I posted a video of the co-founder saying, I'm a trained Marxist. <laughs> and then I posted something about uh, masks. And it's like, I wasn't on there getting nasty, trying to prove a point to everybody. Like it was mostly old people from my parents, my, my dad's old church that were following me there. But you still had your woke, you know, nutcases that would get on. And instead of retorting or reverting back to just swearing at them like they were doing to me, I was like, hey guys, let's just, do we trust Harvard? Can we agree that's a pretty credible we, medical school? Yeah. West? I mean, let's let's go ahead and say that. Here's here's Harvard's analysis. Do we trust Big Pharma? Hmm, biggest lawsuit in U.S. history is against Pfizer. <laughs> okay, like let's just share links. And Facebook deletes me. There's no yeah. you're in Facebook jail. I'm gone. And this is in socialist Spain. I'm posting anything I want in Hong Kong and dictator-run Vietnam. And the minute I get to socialist Spain. <laughs> It's so over. it's just, you know, we are in an arena where when we try to communicate, I mean, look at, look at Robert F. Kennedy, JFK, oh. nephew, child, um, what's the name of his organization? Child Defense. Like he is a top tier credible attorney. Right. Like he's not, there's no, he was FBI's number one misinformation to cancel from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. They canked him. He was verified at like a million and literally was just having doctors and, and, you know, defamation attorneys come on and scientists come on. And it's like, you know, videos pulled from YouTube. So anyone who isn't seeing what's going on is they've already swallowed the Kool-Aid. I mean, they're, you know, mm. they're helpless, but yeah, it's concerning. It's good. You and I are parents. Like we're homeschooling our kids now. Well, since we pulled them out of school and hard started homeschooling them, like they're reading and writing shot through the roof. My wife speaks five languages. My daughter speak three. I speak Spanish. I can get around well in Spanish. My Chinese, I can get around in my Mandarin. Um, but, you know, the wokeness being taught in the Spanish schools is insane. I mean, people think the gender unicorn is like weird. It's like, I'd say Spain is right up there with Canada and yeah, Sweden. And, and the like, reason I know that is, I don't know what you guys call the program in Spain, but they call it the SOGI program here in Canada. And it's the um, sexual orientation and gender identification program. 
and it's being taught in all the provinces. Well, it's being taught in two provinces currently. And um, the, the kicker is no parents even know that it's in the curriculum. You have to seek it out to know. And I remember a friend of mine um, on Instagram posted a photo and it was of his daughter had posted, taken home a piece of paper and it had um, basically it was like a, it looked like a gingerbread cutout, right? And it had yeah, four yeah, yeah. of them. And then it was a sliding scale sheet and it was about your sexual orientation your who will you like what you think your sex like and you draw to the scale in which you think that you are and I saw that and I lost my shit and I was speaking with my son went to an outdoor preschool all during COVID these people don't wear masks these people teach my kid how to start a fire he got a hatchet at his fourth birthday he's a smart boy and he's a free thinker exactly teach them young and so um, she said, you know, you're about to jump into a school system because both my husband and I are CEOs. He has his own companies. I have mine. The idea right now of homeschooling would be a wet dream. The reality is that's not an option currently. Um, that being well, said, like you got him in the best, best place. I mean, that sounds like the, he's a in a kindergarten now though. He had to go to a real school. Yeah. Uh -huh. He had to do. Yeah. It sucks. Cause they don't offer it in, in higher grades. And so we're working on, you know, we would love to have that, but I know people in the States are doing things like that, but in Canada, that's just not a thing. So we're trying to mitigate that outside of the school hours, the best that we can. For okay. example, the Surrey school system put masks in place for five-year-olds and up, um, which made me vomit in my mouth. I was away on an ayahuasca retreat. I got the email from the school called my husband and said, you need to fucking deal with this right now because I cannot be the one to talk to the principal in this stage. So we found out yeah it was cute we had already had a privacy issue so the principal knew me well and uh, so I retreat yelling at the freaking yeah yeah <laughs> super cute look right find so yourself. i called find yourself yeah. what are you doing find the light children? find the fucking light <laughs> what are you doing read a book and so yeah so basically he called first oh. and he goes you're good to call now so i call and i say hey i just want to say thank you she essentially said to me listen it is not my job to tell a five-year-old to put a piece of fucking fabric on his face. I will not do that. That is unacceptable. And so my child thinks that they're weird and uncomfortable. And why? And he, he doesn't understand what COVID is. He's like, mommy, people, people are telling me they're sick. I said, honey, they're not sick. Stop. Stop. Yeah. If you do, you trust me, do, you need to worry about what I need to tell you to worry about. You need to worry about this stuff. There are kids that are six years old, seven years old on the playground, wearing masks and gloves. And that when my, they trip and fall, my son's very empathetic. He'll run over and just hug you. He doesn't know you, but he'll just hug you. He's it's we, we're working on him not hugging strangers, but kids, it's a different thing. We let it happen. And so these kids, I'm not exaggerating. I have a video of one it was like, it's like pushing him away, pushing Jack back. It's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. You'll get me sick. The anxiety of we and mental health disorders that we have predisposed these children to is astronomical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well said. And, and look, I mean, that's all part of the design. It's make them completely dependable on what we're teaching them on the screen, not mom and dad, and uproot and destroy not just the establishment, but the foundations that it was built on. Um, and language being one of the one of the core mechanisms for that. I mean, look at Chinese, look at Mao, right? Like Putonghua. What does Putonghua mean? Mandarin, language of the common people. So there's instead of Cantonese having nine tones and areas in Yunnan province like Kunming having 16 tones, he narrowed it down to just four tones, took away pronouns. So it's ah, 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 
ah, ah, ah. And uh. each tone means something different, but he narrowed it down, took apart the language, put out his language of the common people, and now that's Mandarin, right? Mao had his, had his red book. And he said, well, it's, it's for our military, it's for our protection. It's for our protection after the Japanese, you know, mm -hmm. just raped us in Nanjing and we couldn't communicate with each other. But in one sense, it was a unifying of a nation for communication, but it's also what? Control. It's here's the new foundation. I mean, I love Jordan B. Peterson. I really started, I didn't know about him until kind of the, the wokeness, uh, 12 Rules for Life and his videos coming out where he was accused of being against transgenders and he was the farthest thing from it. Um, in Toronto, he's just over here. I had his daughter right. on the show. Yeah, but it was all about, you know, this him being like, I will not have the language controlled and going into why that's such a dangerous, a, just the slippery, the slipperiest of slopes. Yeah, destroying history and language. It's there. And, and, you know, we, you know, being the light bearers that we are, we have to look for silver linings and share those silver linings. And as terrible as kids having to be schooled at home on the screen during these lockdowns what it did was it absolutely woke up parents to what this crazy progressive left was teaching their kids we mm -hmm. look at this beautiful you know shift of power from the progressive nut governors to conservative governors and that's not just right and left i mean we look at this great uh prior governor in buffalo um that beat out the crazy progressive that AOC was was putting in that had no competition. And it's like, he's a moderate Democrat, but that's great. It's not mm -hmm. get rid of all Democrats, put in all Republicans. It's bring in people that can work together and are here to serve the interests of the American people. Like, right. That's what politics, I mean, that's what government's supposed to be doing. Um, right. And so, you know, that, that was a, that was a good silver lining. Um, we look at what happened in Virginia and that, governor came out and said i'm anti-trump and parents don't have the right to choose what their kids learn in school Rook! like and virginia's as you know liberal as it gets and now they've got a, a republican governor so i know we are seeing a shift of washington not being in control and states being in control as our founding fathers wanted it i mean that's why our country was set up the way that it is I mean, was it, was it Iowa where the National Guard refused the vaccine just last week? And so oh. Washington says, like, so that's the National Guard of, an, of a state. Like, right? That's, that's the, that is the army and Air Force that lives within that state. That is the Guard. And they're saying we're refusing to follow the, these mandates. And what does Washington say? Well, if you're refusing the mandates, you're just a militia. And I'm thinking... Wow, you don't, you don't want to start habit. that. Well, it's like, I mean, once <laughs> once you once you have states turning against Washington and just saying we're not going with it, like you haven't you eventually are just an old man that poops his pants in Rome with a you know mm -hmm. babbling, cackling hyena of a, of a VP that has never done anything but enslave young black men for smoking marijuana and withhold forensic evidence that would get innocent men and women off death row. And Nancy Pelosi, who, you know, God bless her, just can't stay sober enough to put on or take off her mask or follow her own policy anywhere. Is that um, what's wrong with her? She's a drunk? She's an absolute lush. She's just an what? absolute drunk and has made hundreds of millions with her husband on inside trading and wants to look into every $600 transaction we do. 
which by the way, is what I go through every day in, in Europe and Spain and socialist countries. So everybody who says they want socialism, the Spanish government will go into my accounts in Sabadell and just take out a thousand euros here, a thousand euros there, this, that. I mean, it's- How, how, how is that allowed? It's a socialist country. So they have access to, you can just go Absolute in your bank account and take your money? to anything, absolute power. If I own several properties there and I'm not living in one, they can come and use my, my, my house flat, villa for whatever they want for as long as they want now they did this to a shit ton of people during covid and they're doing it to people who live off of renting out properties that are landlords Mm -hmm. and they're doing it in tourist areas where it's blocked and people can't even come in and out that's how i was able to get my current place you know that they were listing for like 3500 euros a month and we ended up getting it for 36 months for 1600 euros oh wow literally half um and it's just because they they needed to get bodies into it because my landlord's in london he's a a good dude Mm. uh living over in london that has places but he's like dude if you're not in there they can come take this at any point spain's crazy if a squatter goes and lives in your house you can't have them kicked out so there's that come over and break into houses and live there and uh albanians and you know, gypsies that come over and they just post up. You're blowing my brain right now. Yeah, everybody who hates the, who thinks they have it so bad in the West, it's like, this is, and look, I was very guilty of this. I was saying to people, I will never live in the States again. It's turning upside down. Like it's just, it's, it's Marxist ideology has taken over and I'm watching all this stuff. Even when I know better than to believe what's going on in the news. And when I came over and came back to Tennessee, because we moved all of our 3PL, 4PL from Hong Kong, all of our goods that were made in Taiwan, Vietnam, Indonesia, Cambodia, um, all of that inventory to Cali. 80,000 bucks, 60 days on, on, on sea. Oh, wow. <laughs> we need to pay like 3,400, 3,800, maybe 4,200 for a 40-foot container, 2,900, 3,100. Now it's through the roof right now. 18,000. I paid 18,000. It was on, on the water for 60 days. And then, you know, 60 grand to get it through customs. And you're not going to argue with customs because it's been really? in a queue for so freaking long. Oh, I'll go to bat against customs at any time. I mean, wow. I have every HS code, you know, EAN, SKU number. I mean, everything chopped and this and that. I've been, I've been doing it for a long time. So I'm happy to argue with customs. But this time... I was like, <laughs> take it, take it, please just get my stuff on a truck and get it to the freaking warehouse. Like we've been offline for, you know, two months. And I came back to Tennessee and was introduced to a factory. That's just an hour from where I live. That's that does 4 million high-end garments um, for the government oh, every wow. year, so 250,000 a month. And exactly what I make jacket systems, you know, sleeping bags, mm-hmm. And just I know your really, stuff really, is slick, man. Really, really elite stuff. I mean, if you look at the seams, at the welding mm. and the tape seams in this, like this thing's bulletproof. Yeah, it's quality, right? Absolute bulletproof, yeah. Wow. And the way that they have to do their inspection, so this is the Proteus jacket. So we'll probably sell this for about 700 the very compliant mm-hmm. made in the USA. But I mean, we are paying, I'm paying three times to make that what I, what I paid in Asia. Mm-hmm. The difference is, having this very compliant now it's it's like we're going to be outfitting the entire marine corps uh infantry training battalion officers uh staff and then each class 
So Ooh. now we can be very compliant. It's applicable for MOD, DOD, and, and you know, unit purchases. Um, we'll still do stuff where, right, so that's Barry. Then, and you know all this stuff, but I'm saying this for the listeners. Then you've got, you've got still made in America where you can use any fabrics from anywhere. They're shipped in. They're, they're, it's a raw good. So you're shipping poly, nylon, whatever from anywhere you want. And then the cut and sew is done in the United States. Then it's still made in the USA. Um, then outside of the US, you can still do military contracts if it's a Barry compliant, B-E-R-R-Y, Barry compliant, or approved country, which for some reason, Pakistan right now is a Barry compliant. <laughs> How is Pakistan? Our great ally, Pakistan, that never hit Osama bin Laden from us or has done anything strange. Like, is nothing weird with it's them all, at all. It's all lobbyist paid off political shit shows, but it's just, it's, it's wild, right? Um, so, and then you've got TAA compliant. TAA is approved factor. And that's what I was mainly using because you can still sell that stuff to SOCOM units. You mm. just can't do a big DOD, MOD. But those are countries like Taiwan is TAA. Um, Cambodia is TAA. And that's just agreements within governments. Um, you know, so it's just interesting now for, and I'll still manufacture a ton of stuff in Asia. Um, we'll, cause China is one of our largest markets, but the Chinese won't buy anything made in China. So it was perfect for us before all this COVID and logistic nightmare, because we can make stuff in Indonesia, um, you know, Cambodia, Vietnam. I really like Vietnam. I just, I love selfishly. I just love the country. I love the people. I love the food. I love the culture. I, I love to be in Vietnam and the workforce there is, is brilliant. Um, you know, China has some of the best factories that I've ever seen, bar none. Like I went in Shunda to the Arcteryx factory. Basically, yeah, uh, you have to pay a hundred percent down, and you know the MOQ is five thousand pieces, but you can build stuff there as well. That's where Arcteryx uses, and it's. I mean, you could, you know, the the tech that was behind all of the testing was it, it blew my mind. It's wild though. The every factory I've been in in Asia, and I've made stuff from like. 50,000 square foot marijuana greenhouses that are climate controlled with like weaponized drones that, you know, like uber oh, freaking tech, prison tech stuff. I traded commodities for a bit and really was on the ground level of seeing and confirming the SGS reports outside of the mines, getting that stuff on Cape vessels. And I mean, that's how I really got into sourcing manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I just got into the apparel side because a company called Cryptech hired me as their director of Asia to do a bunch of QC and development. And then I really got into you know, camo development, quality control, you know, factory inspections, logistics, and, and everything that you started off the podcast with saying people have no idea what it takes to make something, ship it, inspect it, um, you, you know, and get it done. I always tell people when they say, well, if it's not made in the USA, it's no good. And I say, guys, there's great factories everywhere and there's shit factories everywhere. You know, you, I'm very proud to bring jobs back to the States and do our entire new line in the US. Um, I'm a Marine, I'm a Patriot, but it's also, it is more advantageous for my business right now. I'm a businessman right. to move these goods, even though they're costing me three X what they were costing me. There's no taxes, there's no duties, there's no over packaging, mm -hmm. there's no shipping. It's literally going to be going to a new, another 3PL that we're using in Tennessee. You know, Smith and Wesson's moving here. Red Stag is building a $450 million um, five, 5PL next to Amazon's new one in Monroe County. 
So we'll manufacture in East Tennessee, it'll go 50 miles down the road to the, um, you know, 4PL, 5PL, and then that there it's fully integrated with Shopify and it can ship, you know, anywhere in North America, South America, anywhere globally. But um, we'll keep advantageously things being made in Asia for the China market because the Chinese don't want to pay to have American goods shipped over there, right. but they don't want to, they won't pay top dollar for anything made in China because they're like, we made this. Like it's not right. special to us. It could be made in a blood diamond sweatshop like mm -hmm. factory in Africa and the Chinese would be like, we love it. We love it. It's outside of China. It's unique. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's just an interesting dynamic seeing different, you know, it's, it's been a crazy experience getting to do kind of the factory due diligence, um, different kinds of projects, and then seeing how it's finalized. So importantly, how it's, uh, how it's verified with your, with your uh, final inspections major part I've, I've screwed that up a couple times and that's been expensive <laughs> and then understanding the different shipping methods i mean people don't realize how much you're to get overseas into your country then integrating it into shopify and then having it ready to go in a three four five pl for it to get pick and packed and get sent out to the customer i mean it's mm -hmm. it is exhausting you know it's, it's interesting because you try to explain it to customers when they're like, why, why does something cost something? And I, I do my best to try to really expand on it when I, when I'm in a good mood, because it's a frustrating process. If somebody picks up, say, for example, because it's just sitting here, our quattro bracelet, right? It's stainless steel. It's got a magnet and it's, it's in gold. So that takes a lot of factories just to make that. And they aren't all in one location. They're not necessarily all in one town and they have to be moved all about. And then they have to get to an end process at that end process. That factory then needs to QC it. And do you actually think that every single one they make is going to pass QC? No. So then they under, if they don't prepare properly and they don't make more than they should, then we're now we're at an issue here and we have to start the process all back over again. And it's the same with our, our warrior bracelets with our natural stones on them. The factories that mine the like that mine the actual stones are from everywhere in the world so when somebody says to me why isn't that product made in the united states or canada i look at them and go do you understand where rhyolite comes from do you understand where howlite comes from because right, right. guess what it doesn't come from the places you think it does pretty yeah. much one thing that comes from canada is bc jade that's pretty much it and if you want that that's fine we can do that but you can't be expected to think that everything is going to come from America. Or my favorite is when somebody says cheap made China product. And I go, really, let's talk about the American factories I work with. How is this going to go? And I break it down for them. And then they apologize and go, holy shit, I had no idea. There is so much more to manufacturing a product than finding a place yeah. in the country and making it. It's, yeah. I went from sourcing a product from the kitchen table to finding out where it's done to then going over to Asia and going to these places and being drug around in a van for three hours in some sketchy town and breaking down on the side of the road. And then finding out we're going to a dinner at 11 o'clock at night. They forced the staff to stay open so they would make their white guests a really good special dinner and all the factory owners are there and they start passing shit around that doesn't even look edible. 
Like, don't tell me that my $59 bracelet is too much for you. Do you not understand the hell I had to go through to make that thing work for you and then be able to bring it back to Canada? Like, don't, don't. Because I'll tell you right now, most of the products I make are easy to make. Here's the kicker. Nobody wants to work in North America for the price for you to be able to buy it for $59. You would have to add a two in front of that 59 to be able to afford the bracelet to purchase it and make it here in Canada or the United States. Not reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I get people that, that have said, I'm not going to buy that sandbag because it's not made in the USA. And I'm like, what are you writing this message on? They're like my new iPhone. And I'm like, Shenzhen, China, baby. I know. I, that's my kicker. My new MacBook pro Shenzhen, China, baby, Foxconn developed and designed in California, mass manufactured in China. Right. Um, So people just you don't know what you don't know. And I think I always tell, I always tell people, you know, I mentor a lot of younger um, active duty guys and gals that are coming off and want to go into business school or want to go and do this and that. Mm-hmm. And I, I really make sure that they understand what they want to do, you know, not just, I'm going to go to school. Like what mm-hmm. is, you know, like I did, like I'm going to take philosophy and religious studies and be, become a shaman, you know? Right. I mean, I could see that for you. You got the vibe, bro. (laughs) I didn't. The religious studies actually helped me a lot because in my travels, understanding, you know, the five pillars of Islam, being able to sit with my Muslim brothers and sisters, and um, respectfully, you know, as a Christian, be very open and understanding about their struggles. You know, the the fanatics that they don't support that are in their religion. And you know the 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 purists and the and the moderates. So and that and understanding the Upanishads, the Rig Vega, and then understanding ancestral worship, Confucianism, um, you know, Taoism, Buddhism, and Vietnam uh, and Thailand. So that helped me more than anything as far as being able to sit. I invested in a restaurant group in Hong Kong called Maximal Concepts. We've got like thirty restaurants around. We've got some in the in the sands and the Bellagio and the Trump Tower and. Vancouver and Dubai and Mexico City. Oh, Hawaii. you have one here? Trump Tower in Vancouver, Mot 32, the Chinese restaurant. That's one of mine. What? Yeah. I gotta go. I gotta Check go. It You're- you will love it. We've got six of those globally. That's our cash cow. That's our moneymaker. It's called oh, Mot, fantastic. Mot 32. The Peking duck there is just, if you like Chinese food, it's phenomenal. But I invested in that group because we were spending all this money on um offices and staff and when people would come in to do a deal you know especially like sexist businessmen they would want to see what your secretary looked like and Mm -hmm. then where you're going to go eat and what freaking you know ktv freaking slash brothel they could find and go to like it was just like good grief Mm -hmm. like spending this money they're coming in and just like okay great let's go eat let's do it we can sign the deal at, at dinner And I was like, we don't need any of this. Let's just get in the restaurant business. And no matter how small of a shareholder we are, we will be owners of the restaurant. And we will have the red carpet rolled out for us. I mean, we've got some restaurants that are uh, Michelin star. Um, Wow. And then you, one thing I learned is everybody will shut up about their cultural identities and religious disagreements when they're eating and drinking. Mm -hmm and breaking bread. And I realized that the best place for business was an open table. 
with really good freaking food and, you know, really great mixologists to sauce them up and make sure that we're having a good time. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. No, I, we were just kind of talking about the expansive network you have, because that's, that's interesting that you say that because I brought up how they like the food was the first thing. Like, so when they, they picked us up and they're like, we're going to, we're going to keep the hotel restaurant open for you. And when we got there, it was interesting. I learned very quickly how little respect women have in China when, Mm. so the first trip I ever went on was to visit my husband's factories. He has a safety equipment device called Atlas neck brace. Um, and it prevents cervical spine injury with full face helmets. So it has to be CE. It has to be all of those approved. So very high end factories for things like that. We went to uh, Alpine stars factory. I believe it was in um, Thailand. We, we, we've been around looking at, you know, sourcing those types of products. So we were there that time. And at that time I wasn't there for my business. I was there for his. So I didn't really pay attention to it very much, but the first person they would shake hands was with Brady. They would never shake my hand. They wouldn't, you know, that kind of thing. So I didn't really, really catch on the trip we went to in January was, was more for my, it was majority was my factory. So we had to go to our sunglass. We had to go to our stone factory. We had to go to our plating factory and we had to go to the actual manufacturer. And then we went to our holding company. And so Thailand, uh, sorry, Taiwan and back over there. So we're there. And I go to my first factory that has been producing for me for a year and hadn't met me in person yet. Right. And they walk past me and go right to my husband and I'm standing there. And I don't know if you've caught on yet, but I don't like that shit and I don't do well with it. And so I turned around and went, hi, I pay your bills. Nice to meet you. And he just looked at me. And after that, it was, it was a little bit better. There was a little more, but it's every factory I went to, I go to get my business card. Like I, I pay attention to the culture. I understand what I'm supposed to do. And I would do it before Brady and the, the, you could see there was a, there was a bit of confusion on there and it was just a very different dynamic. And then they would always bring their wife in and then start having the wife talk to me. Right. And then Brady, and I'm like, no, Brady doesn't Brady. No, this is mine. It's my company. Yeah. 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 Why aren't we understanding this concept? And um, so I learned, I learned a lot when I was in China. I learned, I learned they don't appreciate when you, have spent casings in your travel luggage. Don't do that. They don't like that. Even though you make that for a living, you don't do that. Um, I learned that you must always have uh, money in WeChat somewhere because when you get in a taxi and they refuse to let you out till you pay, but they drop your husband off and start taking you to the police. That's not a situation. We don't want to do that again. I learned the hard way, some of these things, but uh, what I also don't think people realize is if you are willing to learn the hard way in China, you're going to learn the hard way in China. And that place scares the fuck out of me to go back to, frankly. <laughs> Look, travel is the best teacher. I mean, that's it. Like, right. For, and, and when I was saying I was mentoring young guys and gals, mm-hmm. um, that is the, I mean, that's the biggest, that, that's always the advice that I give them is, you know, don't spend all, the, unless you have to get an MBA because you want to go work for this, you know, financial group where it's required. Right. It's like, you will learn the most through networking and through traveling. Um, mm-hmm. I started a Macy degree and in, in a master in social and civic entrepreneurship at Baki when I was in Hong Kong and the government and the military was still paying for it. They were paying me to get it. Um, wow. And I quit. Like I literally had my own holding company, sourcing company, branding, marketing, fully vertical integrating integration company that I was doing everything from mm-hmm. mil spec, patented, camouflage, direct to... Uh, 
you know, this government, this government, this government, iron ore, uh, ferron, wow. nickel, like, you know, raw materials, infrastructure, construction materials. And I'm doing all this stuff on a philosophy and religious studies degree, actually just doing it all on being a Marine and honestly getting shit done and improvising, adapting and overcoming. But I, I was specifically getting that degree to learn how to do all of the legalities um, in overcharging, presenting this ledger sheet, you know, bringing in this investor, how to show this kind of forecast on, you know, you know manipulating my PL and blah, blah, blah. And the professor's like, I have no idea how to do that. Like, I've never had a company. And I was like, fuck this. Like, what? Like, what am what I am learning I from you? Here? Like, yeah, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm actually doing this live time. Like, what, you know, yeah, no more. So, so, so how do, so for, for your company, I mean, if somebody were going to say to you, like, hey, I want to, this is what I want to do, where do you advise people to start? If people want to, what, start like an apparel company? or they Not have even apparel, like if they're getting out of the Marines, they're getting out of the military, they're getting out of the service, any type of thing. And they're like, hey, I, I think I want to own my own destiny a little bit more here. Like, where would you advise somebody to start? If they don't already know their path and their purpose, then uh, probably a spiritual retreat, ayahuasca. I mean, like for me, Socrates, know thyself. You mission critical you know not your business mission statement your life statement like what do you want to do with this little precious amount of time that you have um if money wasn't an option if this didn't matter like where is your heart aligned with your moral compass and your end game the top of the mountain i always say the talos in greek the acme the summit the trajectory to the talos the path to the to the mountaintop where we meet our creator and where we finish our life um I think that's such a more important question than like, so you're interested in banking or you're interested in this. It's really like, what, what are your passions and who are you? Right. And if you don't know that and it's not figured out, then you should probably reenlist and take some more time traveling in the military to, to figure it out because you're not going to figure it out at like a, you know, 12 to $15 an hour job that you're going to get stuck in or some degree that you're like philosophy or religious studies that you're just taking because the GI bill is paying for it. Right. You know, it's really um, and again, it goes back to get that network out there, like reach out to people. Um, successful entrepreneurs always want to help out people. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I love Elon Musk. I, I look at what he's saying. I mean, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back when my wife and I were like, we can homeschool. Like this is, you know, yeah, like, we can do this. We can do this. This is not that hard. I mean, listen to what Elon Musk is saying. We're in the West. We are limiting smart kids in classes to stay at the level of the dumbest kids. It's insane. Mm -hmm. In Asia, the dummies have to try to keep up with the smartest in the class. And if you can't make it, there's always a factory job for you, which isn't shameful. It's like it's a manual job where you'll do the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again, but you will have a steady pay and you'll survive. Um, you won't be going into student debt and all this other, you know, bullshit. And in the West right now, it is targeted to the dumbest kids in the class. And this is where we're going to stay. And, and, and on top of that, we'll just if anybody says that we need to advance, we're going to blame it on white people and critical race theory, because that's racist to try to, you know, learn and succeed above other people. You know, it's just, it's, it's madness. So we listened to uh, literally one interview that he did where he said education should be as fun and inviting as a video game. video game. You don't have to tell a kid to play a video game. They will play it. If you encourage education this way and you make it fun and you let your child and encourage and push them to advance in the areas that they love, they don't need the rest. You don't, you, you, I mean, 
you don't really need a, a lot of mathematics and science forced down your head if you're going to be a high EQ personable counselor, um, mm -hmm. you know, or, or go on this trajectory. Like you don't need a bunch of Western Civ and humanities department stuff if you want to be a doctor. Like just if science is your thing. I love in Hong Kong and in the UK where if you want to be a doctor, you start your medical school right after high school. Like you're in your uni is counting as your medical school. You're not going in debt to pay for medical school after university and then fucking four years of residency. It's like 12 years. My brother-in-law is an anesthesiologist. It was 12 years before he started getting paid, you know? So that's just not that you're asking, you're asking the impossible when you do that, right? You're asking there's the barrier to entry is so vicious and so unnecessary. And it pushes out some people that could have been inventors and creators and some of the totally. world's best doctors and scientists because yeah. they didn't or couldn't afford it. Yeah. Just that simple. And it just encourages the insane greed. Like America for being such a wonderful country has the most bunk backwards healthcare system I've ever seen in my life. Like ever. Ever. It's insane. And it's fueled by the greed that doctors have to have after going to school this long and being milked. And I mean, the fact that like a good looking guy and girl that go in a fraternity and, a, and don't go the military route, they're just, you know, pretty little cheerleaders and jocks go to college. They do pretty decent at school. They get a psychology degree and they go right into pharmaceutical sales. Like that's the ushered in Pfizer freaking Merck. Um, and it's golden handcuffs. They, it's like 85 a year, which is insane when you're 21, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, oh, I'm balling. And then if they're really good and they have manipulated enough doctors to mm -hmm. be freaking total sellouts prescribing their patients, whatever the fuck they are getting kickbacks for, um, they can go into medical sales. And then in medical sales, you're even at a high, I mean, at least then you're on a scientific uh tip of the spear where you're, you, you know, in my opinion, actually helping people with technology and robotics and right. AI involved in surgeries and stuff. But, you know, for that to be the path, like when I, when I'm watching, um, I, I watch some, some series with my dad, my dad lives up the road, retired pastor, theologian, awesome dude, Vietnam corpsman, just salt of the oh, earth, wow. salt dog. But I rarely watch TV. I mean, I just, I, it, it annoys me. I'd rather go do shit. Where's um, the time? Yeah, there's other yeah, where's things. The time? But I've been liking Yellowstone. Like he got me on that series when I was back here. And it I'll was- I'll tell you it, something about that later. It, it's pretty good. But watching commercials in the States, every single thing is telling you you're gist. sick. Everything. Erectile mm -hmm. dysfunction. Um, I, I mean, I've seen them for vaginal dryness. Oh, like, yeah. Like yeah. you are, I, I mean, it is- it's illegal in other countries, like big for farmers a reason. Not, for a reason, but it is everywhere. I mean, it's everything. It's like a pill for, I mean, when it's like erectile dysfunction and vaginal dryness on a, at 11 AM on a Sunday. Oh, my like, favorite is the list of warnings. Together, like watching TV yeah. and I'm just like, yep. what? I mean, herpes I ads, like yep. I, I mean, it's, it is it's 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 bonkers but i mean look those are i mean I, you look those are people need help with things good go go get it yeah i, I, I get it but come you on you need an advertisement like i think if you can't get a heart on you're gonna you're that's gonna be something where you don't need an advert to be like oh actually hmm, i have I need some help here or or the other i mean right 
Yeah. But then yeah. it's like the need for glucosamine. It's it's allergies. I'm in East Tennessee where there's like four seasons and a lot of pollen. And <laughs> I mean, it's every single advert is either the new fast food special deal for a 44 ounce freaking sugar filled mellow yellow <laughs> and an it's extra like crystals pack of type two diabetes forced in you. And then followed by the high cholesterol pill that you can take to manage all of that filth you just put in your body. And it's, and it goes from that to that to that to mm -hmm. the news, which is fear. We're in red threat COVID. We're in this, like the transgender aliens are coming down to bring the next the level of COVID to your, you know, local store, but believe in Biden. It's just, I mean, it's, it is the mass marketed propaganda that we are being hit with right now is it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, I, and look, I mean, big pharma is, big pharma is, is the powerhouse of the elite. And mm -hmm. when big pharma partners with big tech, I mean, that's what we've just seen over the past two years. Like mm -hmm. it's unprecedented. The, the ripple effects that this is going to have, it used to be oil and gas, industrial military complex, big right. pharma media. Now social media is the media. Mm -hmm. It fact checks the media. <laughs> it it they it tried to take me off. Yeah, they that. tried to take me off this week because I was posting about my twenty four hour rowathon that I was doing for charity, and they they like they're like we're gonna delete you. This is your last warning because I was posting about it and it was um for veterans and first responders on Remembrance Day, Veterans Day, and we got so I had to start doing the whole backup account thing and it's like they. They, they post all the time about my stuff being hate speech because all I'm saying is like mental health fucking matters. This shouldn't be acceptable behavior. Why are we accepting this for humanity? People don't like that conversation. That that makes people uncomfortable. It makes them have feelings they don't like. And They're so- like, You shouldn't think about it. Just take this pill. Exactly. All you need the is pill. oxycontin. Just take this opioid. And if you get too fucked up on it, we also own Suboxone. Yeah, we'll take you down. We'll take you up. We'll take you yeah. down. We'll level you out with that SSRI. It's a good yeah. time. Well, speaking of SSRIs, I was going to bring something up. You know, it's way more effective than an SSRI by four times. Physical fitness. Tell me about the Spartan deal, bro. I'm with you. Physical fitness, breathing, diet, sunlight. Well, the yeah. immune system God gave us. I, I mean, when the natural immunity hashtag is banned, it's like, ooh. Yeah, we're we're going down. We're going down. We're prepping. We're sharpening things. We're, we're doing things. So yeah. four, four years ago, um, I was asked by Spartan Extreme Endurance to myself and my Marine bro, Rudy Reyes, to go and lead in a Gogi event. Um, I'd only seen like Spartan races where people were like throwing spears and wearing a little bandana. And I was like, mm, that's not my cup of tea. Like I'm a real Spartan. That's a little bit sassy, but that cool, you know, whatever, get outside and do stuff. Like I'm all about it. Um, and so I told them, no, I don't really want to be involved in that. I don't need a, you know, we're real Spartans at our, at our, <laughs> our company. Um, and they came back and were like, well, we want to wear your head to toe gear. We're going to pay you for it. We want to pay you to come out and lead these events. And I'm like, head to toe gear, like nobody's going to run an obstacle race in like tactical pants and like, you know, they are now. <laughs> and they're like, it's not an obstacle course. They're like, this is going to be in Mongolia. There's going to be areas where it's below freezing. We're going to have people, we're going to basically do a hundred miles, boots and utes, have them build yurts. Like, and I'm just like, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Can I keep the content? It was that was on ESPN one and ESPN two. Nice logo blared out. Myself, Rudy Reyes, and some other pro staff. And then we signed a deal with them where we got involved in every one of the events that was extreme endurance. So not the obstacle races, like my little extreme endurance. Um, right. And it's, I mean, it's just been a blast. I've gotten to lead them in China, all, all over the place. I and mean, I've probably led 30 of them in the past four years. This will be my fourth Agogi. And the Agogis are just once a year. And it's, it's the most extreme and intense evolution that they do. Um, so explain what that is. Arabian Desert, sixty hours nonstop. It'll really be closer to ninety hours because we'll take them out into the middle of nowhere. In Mongolia, we had these old school Russian vehicles that were eight wheelers. We took them out about fourteen hours out in the middle of you know BFE, um, and then started the course and <laughs> had them doing you know back azimuths, uh, map reading, EMT stuff like crazy mental chems games you know hostage scenarios kind of the whole nine we have you know all of our emt guys out there so we do trauma pack training um poncho shelters freaking waterproofing having to do a poncho raft to get across freezing cold water we had 10 people get hypothermia we had to pull them out get them this is on espn we had to pull them out get them naked skin on skin body heat we had to drag a couple of them into the yurt we had to put ports in I was testing out some tech fabric that we'd infused with graphene um, <laughs> to put against your body. It like wasn't planned at all, but this kid, this Palestinian kickboxer is dying. And I, I like, you know, la link him up in the stuff and press it against his skin. And I'm in there freaking, you know, uh, beanie on with our logo and, and holding him and doing it. And he, and he literally comes back within 15 minutes. So wow. it was, um, it's just one of those things where they really need us. They need guys and gals with military experience. Uh, my girl, if you look up Captain Kim 360, um, she is a prior staff sergeant, then went brass captain. Um, she's come in like second several times on American Ninja Warrior. But oh, wow. she's my girl. She'll be out there leading the medic team. She's a freaking beast. I mean, she, she, she's a beast. Um, She'll be out there. Some Royal Marine Commandos are going to be leading it with me and one of my Marine brothers. We bring our own videographers for VOG. We keep all of our content. And then the Spartan crew has their film crew and everything else out there. And we'll lead these people through an insane endurance evolution. And we make it part of the cultural experience. So like in Namibia, they had to build actual BOMAs with their bare hands that we came and tested. Um, and they, we had the Sands Bushmen, you know, the, the people from the Gods Must Be Crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They came out like straight up, like Namibian Sands Bushmen came out to them when we'd had them, you know, after running like 50 miles and going back to the Boma site, come out and teach them how to start fires, how to make a bow and arrow, all of this stuff on no sleep. Like what an experience Greece, that would have been. It's insane. Like in, in Naxos, Greece was my favorite because you had water, you had crazy high altitude, like Mount Zeus, where people were getting hypothermia at the top of this mountain in a storm at night um where we were like literally teaching them shelter tactics like totally unplanned um and then going back into the at the base camp in at sea level getting in and doing free diving in the agnc while myself and uh mark marco hotel mark lonergan hotel force recon marine navy seal cia sniper um is down there in dive gear with me hiding clues and watching <laughs> these people have to free dive to come in and get this stuff so it's 
like for me, it's, it's, I can't believe that they, that, that I get paid to do it and that they are, are using my brand to do it. It's, it's godsend. Like I have, you can see by how excited yeah, I'm talking I can. about how much I, I enjoy it and love it. I mean, my, out of, out of all the shit in 2020, my mom dying, me not being able to come back and barrier because of COVID, like out of all the crazy things that happened, being separated from my family, when my wife's like, what was the worst part of 2020? I'm like that the Agogi was canceled. <laughs> And so I'm so, you know, we're, we're pumped that they're, that we're doing it again and that we'll be able to do them um, again each year coming because you're getting your going back to your question on what do I tell people that are wanting to get out of the military or wanting to kind of move into their career, you get to break someone down to their raw essence at these events. I mean, people shed out some excess baggage and toxicity and you have a real opportunity to help people find their purpose. It's like my purpose is help is helping people find their purpose in life and then helping them get on the trajectory, um, whether it's introducing them to NGOs, NPOs, um, factories, politicians to help them with their cause, battling human trafficking, environmental issues, whatever. But it's getting the blinders of the bullshit out, doing an insane endurance evolution where they literally it, it's, it's like a natural ayahuasca. I mean, they're that dehydrated, um, exhausted overworked, you know, fasted, um, and then getting them kind of around the campfire and powwowing at kind of a, a, a milestone each 24 hours in the event or 15 hours or after this evolution, this evolution, and seeing their wheels turn and their, them get that fire in their eyes. Um, it is, and then being able to like co-brand it, like, and, and have it be part of something with our company. Virtus is Latin for warrior virtues. I chose that name as a philosophy major um, going to the University of Tennessee and already feeling this hatred and wokeness against me as a Marine coming back, you know, white dude, Christian, father, straight. I was in Tennessee. I mean, I was already getting the arrows uh, shot at me and studying the Roman centurions um, and their, their virtues, the warrior virtues you know, transcending, paralleling that to Paul, the apostle, the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. Um, and then the fruits of the spirit, like it's just a beautiful aligned uh, symbolic smorgasbord of what it is to be a real Spartan, right? Um, so yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. I'll leave. I'm, I'm literally going to do my PCR test after this and then I'll, I'll, I'll be getting ready for a for this Abu Dhabi trip. We'll go to the desert. We'll run through the event. Those of us who are leading at first and make sure that it's not going to kill anybody. Usually we have these things designed out that when we go beta test them on site, it's like, fuck dude, we can't like this one. This, this isn't going to work. This is its own event. We need to cut this down and do a third, or we need to do this, or we need, we, we need to adjust the pack size here or this or that, you know, you, you, on paper, you can make something impossible. And when you beta test it yourself, you realize, um, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, this is too easy. Like, let's add freaking six right. clicks to this and, and this and that. But it's it's really fun to get in there with guys and gals that I only see once a year or now, you know, now that I haven't seen in two years that I, that I do this with and us to just get to like, you know, kick back. Because we all come from different, you know, we, we have different backgrounds. We've served in different units. You know, we, we, we're not all of the same faith. We're definitely, definitely not at all aligned on political spectrum <laughs> but when we get out there it's just like it doesn't just, matter oh we just love each other it's like this is the fucking arabian desert like this is yeah. people come out here and die like yeah. you know 
We're gonna kill a motherfucker this week. It's gonna be good. This is this is a place of solitude. Like the desert symbolically is the place where the forces of light and the forces of darkness battle on this Mm -hmm. plane for control of the soul. So it's like when you're putting someone in an endurance evolution in a crazy desert, that person's coming out different. I mean, they're 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 gonna be changed. So well, you're helping people, right? You're helping people find themselves. And that's kind we of what we're about. We're helping people find themselves and we're reconnecting to any, you know, broken areas of our own lives that we need to, to shed out. I mean, I used to be a hardcore drug addict. Like it's a great arena for me to totally be vulnerable and open and bring it around a campfire where people are sitting there dealing with their demons and being like, I've been there. Like I've, I've had these demons, like it almost killed me. It almost, I almost lost my kids. I almost lost my wife. I almost lost my life, you know, and being able to really, you know, we say come to, in, in the Marines, we say to come to Jesus time, but it's, it's come to that point in, in where you can literally let off excess baggage, you know, and leave it mm-hmm. there. So that's a that's, beautiful thing. It's a special thing, man. It's a special event. It sounds like it's uh not only therapeutic for you, but it, it, it helps, it helps others. Yeah. And that's, and to be able to do that and integrate it with your company alone. I mean, that's got to have weight and, and purpose to it, right? You know, you're, you're facilitating something unique and something, you know, is life-changing and something, you know, that is going to bring the light to somebody that then they're going to turn around and shed on others. And that, that, that itself is so fucking special and, and fueling. And, and when people say, you know, helping people helps you and it does, it fucking, it brings it, it recharges you. It, it brings it back. And it, when you see people, when you see people really have that moment of relief for the first time, and you know, it's been the moment of relief that they've needed to survive. It is unlike anything else. Amen. It really is, man. Well, I'm, you know, I, I could spend hours and hours chatting with you, but I know you got to roll. And so I'm, I'm so grateful that you gave us this time that you did. Um, can you give everybody all the handles where they can find anything and everything about you? Yes. And, and let's do this again. When I get back from the, yeah, I'm down. I need to send you some gear and have you just go beat the living shit out of it. And I can do that. Uh, you know, now, now that I realize you're doing all these triathlons and, and getting into all this crazy stuff and you're going to be in the next Olympics. I mean, we gotta, I mean, I've got goals. Gotta, I mean, I, I set goals it. for myself. I'm a bit of one of those people. And it's like, yeah, you're underestimating shit. And I'm like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I totally am. But I also, before I even had a baby, wanted to start road biking. When I started road biking after like, less than a year after I did my first triathlon after having my son. And I'm like, yeah, I can do this. If I can learn to swim better, I know I can pass motherfuckers on that bike. I can fly on that thing. So I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm going to give some stuff a go. And I'm going to do my first hunting trip next year. Yeah. Bro, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Well, it's an honor. So tell everyone, please, where do we find you? So guys, uh, all the apparel, all the goods is at Vogue, V-O-G, store.com. So Vogue store. My personal handle, I, like I said, I was banned from Facebook years ago. <laughs> so my, my surviving imprint on, uh, <laughs> on the digital planet is David J underscore wood and Virtus outdoor group on Facebook and Virtus outdoors on Instagram. Perfect. And we'll tag everything in uh, the description on the episode for you and make sure if anybody has any questions, we will direct them towards you. Otherwise stick with me, David and everyone else. We will see you all next week.